All right, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the Build Show podcast. That's right, my weekly time to get together with you guys and go deep. We just don't have enough time on YouTube, but this is our time to get together and spend, you know, 30, 45 minutes. I try to keep it a little bit concise. And we got a great topic today. This is actually one that will be a little hard to keep concise. We're talking about choosing an architect, choosing a designer, figuring out who is actually going to design what me as a builder uh, might actually build for you. And my guest on this topic is is uh, a guy who has a lot to talk about and has worked with a lot of folks. You all know Jake Bruton. Uh, Jake and I have been friends for many, many years. He is the OG uh, Build Show Network uh, video guy. Uh, he and uh, myself and Steve and Brent, I think it was, kicked off the Build Show Network when we launched maybe two or three years ago forget how long it's been. But anyways, this is a great topic. We've got a lot to talk about. And I think we're going to be helpful on this podcast for you listening. If you're a builder, if you're uh, a remodeler, if you're a homeowner who's thinking about building, uh, or if you happen to be an architect or designer, I think that this is a great episode for you to listen to as well, because we've got two seasoned builders who are going to be talking about things that uh, we're hoping to get from you. So with that being said, today's build show from the Rockwell Studios in Austin, Texas. Let's get going. All right, guys, uh, before we jump into the topic, you all know Jake Burton. You've, I'm sure, heard him on the podcast, seen him on the videos. Uh, Jake, before we get started on today's topic, we got to give a little plug to our podcast sponsor, which is Huber Engineered Woods. And normally I, I take this as my one minute riff. But I'd actually love uh, to hear from you because you were one of the first guys that I saw kind of converting your whole business to the zip system on the outside of your houses. Um, if you were to give a one minute uh, plug for Huber or one minute on why zip system in particular, we'll focus on that one product of theirs. What would you say? Uh, I think it's a, that's a fairly easy one. Matt just dropped this on me. I didn't know that I was reading. <laughs> I was doing an ad read today, but He's asking me to talk about a product that I believe in, so yep. I'm okay with that. Yep. The uh, the biggest thing for me was as soon as I started trying to gain better control over my built environment mm -hmm. from a water and air standpoint, I was looking at other methods that we had been using. I was looking at other methods that were available at the time, and there was nobody else out there offering a systems approach where mm. I literally could be from peak to foundation in one product that was all, you know, monolithic of sorts once you tape it all together and uh i've yet to have any problems that made me go oh we should look at something else boy that's that's and that's, that's an easy one that's right? a perfect one minute commercial for huber right there <laughs> and and i would uh as a quick not to pump your tires jake but but uh, before i really knew you i read an article that you wrote and i think steve may have co-authored it but i suspect you actually wrote it uh for the journal like construction in like, I don't know when it was, 95, or not 95, 2015, maybe? 15, probably, that's right, yeah. uh, about Zip System and how you were using it, not just for your weather-resistive barrier, not for water, but also how you were getting these really airtight results and, and getting really tight blower door scores. And I, I'm sure I have that article still in PDF form on my uh, computer that I could go back to, but I was like, man, who is this guy? Uh, in the middle of Missouri, building these crazy tight houses. And I never heard anybody getting performance like that. And uh, what was cool was you weren't using 
you know, weirdo sips panels or some, you know, fabricated European, whatever. You know, you know, yeah. it, was, it was like products that I, that I'd seen on the job too. And at the time, I was still using kind of standard house wrap, and I'd been starting to dabble with uh, peel and sticks. But uh, that's when I first heard of you, Jake. And um, uh, and as a side note, you know, Huber is a sponsor of this podcast, but uh, our whole network, uh, you and I, we don't use products that we don't believe in, uh, and we don't get sponsorship from companies that we don't like uh, or we don't truly believe that their products are a good thing for our industry. So, yeah. Uh, instead of a one-minute intro to Huber, uh, we gave him a five-minute one. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So, so, Jake, our topic today is um, how do you choose a designer? How do you find an architect? And and not just how do you find them and choose them, but what are you looking for? What should we expect from a set of plans, from a designer, from an architect? Uh, and let's take a second and talk about the ranges that you and I have built on, because you, you've you've been a builder as long as I have, even though I'm a couple years older than you, because you grew up as a builder, as a kid with a, with a builder dad. Talk to me about the difference. Well, hold on. Hold on. You say a couple years older. I happen to know that uh, you're about to turn 50. I don't know when this publishes. I would like everyone to know that I am not a couple years younger than 50. I am more than a decade younger than Matt. <laughs> don't lump me into that category how old are you jake that is a good question I'm, i think of you as like 42 are you not 42 i'm, I'm 39 39 all right i'm sorry i had a three <laughs> you're so wise and you've been around the block i just assumed okay. you had to be older i'll take it as a compliment then. That is, i would take that as a compliment it's not that's if you're watching the podcast instead of just listening jake's incredibly handsome and looks vibrantly Agreed. youthful but has the wisdom of at least a 42 or 50 year old builder, probably 50 year old builder, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so tell now, me about, now that I derailed you, that's all right. So tell me about the ranges of, uh, of kind of plans that you've worked on and the folks that develop those plans. Sure. So early in my career, we were lucky to work with a few different architects that were very diligent. Uh, they were very hands-on, very involved local, local architects, that by the time I purchased the company from my parents in 07, they had all moved on and started teaching at the college level. Oh, interesting. They're great professors. I think most of them are still at the university even mm. at this point. Uh, but that was a really good like intro to what you could get in a set of plans. They're mm -hmm. very hands-on, very responsive. Uh, and then we transitioned into doing new construction under me and we started looking for other people and those guys moved on and we've had the full range from local one person shop architecture firms here in Columbia, Missouri, or a couple firms in Kansas City or St. Louis that are one one off person, you know, one guy or one one lady working by themselves. Mm -hmm. And we're getting anything from three pages for a full house, which is not enough. We can talk about that in a minute if you want. Uh, to uh, I once got a set of plans that was like 45 pages for a, um, let's call it about 2,500 square foot edition. Wow. Absolutely no reason for you to copy and paste the code for 16 of those, oh uh, those pages, uh, those sorts of things. So we've seen the whole spectrum from very well detailed, very well thought out, very well understood of how we're going to have to put things together to this is what I want it to look like, make it look like what I want it to look like sort of 
you know, just the art side of architecture. Yeah. And let me piggyback on that and, and say that my experience is incredibly similar. Uh, although I have a little bit of a different history than you. I didn't grow up in a builder family. So uh, my kind of professional building career prior to starting my company in 05, so we're, we've been building independently for about the same period of time. Uh, I worked for production builders and uh, I worked for one of the big national builders. So I barely looked at the plans, to be honest. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of detail on those plans. There wasn't a whole lot to know because those houses were super simple. And I also built the same model time after time after time. So it'd be as if I was building Chevys. And the only difference was this Chevy 1500 had a tan interior and that one had a black interior. So it was, I hardly, I hardly knew that there was architects at that period of my life designing custom pieces because I only had this like plan from corporate, which was just a few pages and very little info and a big printout on a spreadsheet from the corporate office as to all these kind of options on the house. Fast forward, uh, I worked for a semi-custom builder in Portland, Oregon, where we did have a little bit of understanding uh, in a little, um, we had a kind of an in-house designer that designed semi-custom homes. But when I started my business in 05, I'd really never met an architect before. Uh, and I moved to Texas and I knew Austin was a uh, a booming market in 05. And basically a friend said, hey, you should hire a good architect and, and do a spec house. And that's kind of how I started my business. And I was a little spoiled in that my very first job I did in Austin was with this firm called Barley Pfeiffer. Uh, have you ever seen Peter Pfeiffer speak before, Jake? Yes. Uh, very knowledgeable guy when it comes to building science. I'd heard him speak, uh, and I ended up hiring him. Excellent, excellent, very builder-friendly plans. To your point earlier, you mentioned that some architects you worked with were very hands-on and had gotten in the field. That's very much the Barley and Pfeiffer model that I kind of got first and was like, wow, this is awesome. I assume everyone will be like this. So then I worked with some other architects and realized, no, that's that's not the case. Uh, not every architecture firm takes the time to coordinate their plans, to coordinate with structural engineers. Uh, and uh, sometimes very beautiful houses get built with not very good, nor coordinated, nor problem-solved plans. And I'm stealing your, um, your phrase here about that. Uh, but you and I, as we were kind of planning for this podcast, you said something that was an aha moment for me uh, that I'm going to credit to you, which is <laughs> an architect, a designer, is pre-problem solving. Will you, will you tell me more about that statement that you made? Yeah, we talk about it all the time on our sites that like when we're in pre-construction services with a client, when we're working through the plans, when we're helping the architect and the client come to a point where we can get something that's buildable we're hoping that they can listen to us to a point and have knowledge of their own that they bring to the table so that when we get out there there's not me standing there with my guys five carpenters looking at it going well that doesn't make any sense how the heck do we get that roof line to go to this roof line to do this or oh nobody bothered to check to make sure that the stairs line up from floor to floor on the set of plans <laughs> They're they're pre-solving all those problems for us. Yep. If if an architect is doing their job right, they're they're problem-solving all those things in two dimensions. When it's one or two people sitting in an air-conditioned office looking at a computer screen, versus an excavator sitting on a track hoe waiting for three builders to figure out what the heck's going on, where the clock's ticking, 
out in the field because yeah. most of the time the clock in the field is more expensive than the clock in the office. Boy, that's for sure. Um, this is a really hard question and I hate it when people ask me this, but I think you and I should answer it because I suspect people are going to be thinking about it is what should a good set of plans cost? Uh, and, uh, you know, what should I expect to pay for when it comes to that? How, how do you, I mean, knowing this is a national, uh, audience sure. here, uh, you know, how could we give any direction to people from that? That would be helpful. Well, so I have, uh, I'm friends with a couple builders that build on the coast. I'm friends with some builders that build in my market. Uh, and so I know people that builder wise have a hard time getting under $600 a square foot for like a base well-built home. Mm -hmm. And in my market, that would be an outrageous sum of money to pay for a house. So yeah. you're right. It is a complete spectrum. I know that there are builders that are paying $100,000 for a set of plans or $500,000 for a set of plans if the house is big enough. In our market, for what we build for a 3,000 square foot house, I'm not hearing of anybody spending 100 grand on a set of plans. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, you, you're going to get what you pay for 100%. on some level. Yeah, that's right. You know, for sure. Uh, I, I had a conversation with a builder a few days ago that said, oh, well, you know, the, the, the homeowner let the architect go uh, because they weren't really happy with how much money they were dumping into the plans. <laughs> well, I've heard and, that before. And, and they felt like they already had enough information to get us to a point where we could build. And I said, man, how much money had they spent? And he said, they were already $3,500 into the set of plans. Oh, and I like burst out laughing like are you kidding me that they thought that was that that was too much money it's it is you get what you pay for $3,500 is not very much of someone's time so maybe if you asked for a rectangle house that looks like a 60s ranch they could put something together in that amount of time no. but if you want something that's unique you have to be willing to invest in the process because like we said you're gonna you're they're gonna problem solve it for you if they do their job correctly 100%. I know on on our projects, most of our architectural plans run between fifteen and forty thousand dollars for a three thousand square foot house. That's relatively well detailed. Yeah, I think that's that's a good uh, parameter. If if we could, uh, you know, depending on what year you're listening to this, think about a nice new car price, not a Lexus, but uh, but a Chevy, let's say, and that's probably what you should pay for your for your plans. You know, whatever you're going to spend on your Chevy. Uh, suburban, let's say, uh, that's probably what you need to invest on plans. And your number that you mentioned a, a bit ago, 100, 100K uh, to 500K, that's Austin, Texas pricing for architects locally. Uh, and so it's it's unusual for me to see clients paying less than 100K uh, for plans here in the Austin, Texas market. Let's give some people advice on choosing an architect, choosing a designer, um, what couple things would you say are good litmus tests for that architect or designer that you're thinking about for your job? Or what could you do to, to find someone that you think is going to, is going to produce something that is going to be a really good buildable set of plans? Sure. So I always talk to clients, uh, right as soon as I meet them about, do you have an architect involved? For some reason, we're very lucky that most of the time we get contacted before an architect is involved. Mm -hmm. They find us, they go, oh, these people's goals align with ours. And then I'm able to set the stage and say, okay, it is a three-legged stool. 
there is owner, architect, and builder, and all three legs have to exist and be equal and succeed for this stool to stand up mm -hmm. uh, for this house to be successful. We all have different goals and we, you know, I have to be able to build it and I have to be able to make money off of it to want to be involved. That's right. Uh, I have to be profitable in the long run. The clients have to be able to afford it and it has to be comfortable. The architect doesn't want to draw something that's not going to get built. So having that collaborative process from the start means that like you immediately start talking about aligning goals. Mm -hmm. Are are we talking about building a passive house? Are we talking about building something that's near passive or net zero? Well, then we're not talking about hiring an architect that only does residential multifamily and has never done uh, energy efficient before. That's Unless that architect is incredibly educated at that and super motivated and we believe that they actually could do it. Yeah. So you have to, you have to have goals that align from the beginning. Uh, one of the other ones that I always tell clients to look for is communication. Just like I always say that like our, your and I's industry, the building industry is populated by uh, carpenters who happen to be business owners. I think the architecture industry is populated by artists that happen to be business owners. A hundred percent true. Communication can still be the problem that kills the project. If you can't get that person to call you back, if they don't return your email when you email through their website for five or six days, boy, I'd be thinking about, okay, when I need a plan revision two days before we're going to, to the city for the plan, am I going to be able to get it? Or are we going to have a problem even just getting a hold of you? Yeah, and Those even are to like my first two things. Yeah, and even to piggyback on that too, they need to be able to communicate their vision to a, to a 2D piece of paper that I build off of, uh, such that when I'm in the field, they're not next to me telling me their vision, uh, and I'm not looking at a SketchUp model to try and figure out what they want. It's on a piece of paper. Uh, you know, th There's nothing more frustrating than, than hearing a designer, somebody who's in the architecture world saying, it's on the model. Well, I don't build off of a SketchUp model. I build off of yeah. what you've given me as plans that I've submitted to the city as the uh, work that I'm going to do. Um, we, it would be really hard to get this to the audience, but we give prospects who come to us without an architect a, a 20 questions to ask your architect document that we came up with uh, years ago. And I'll just read a couple of them and I'll send this to you, Jake. But um, it's things like, uh, actually, if you Google this, you'll find it. I've put this out there before on my blog and things like that. But how does the architect organize the process? What does the architect expect from you to provide? Uh, what's the architect's design philosophy? What's their architect's experience or track record with cost estimating? Um, who in the architecture firm will they be working with? The person that they're interviewing with directly or with other folks uh, in the firm? Um, if there's a, a change later in the project, will there be additional fees and how will those fees get justified, uh, to you? In other words, how do they, how do they bill? Is this a one time we charge X or is this a, you know, hourly type fee? And what's included in that in the end, are you staying on for the project? That's a great one. And, and that's another one that I was going to throw in there, which, which is, um, what services will the architect provide during construction or will they not be involved during construction? Um, uh, how long does the architect expect to take to complete their phase uh, of the, uh, the project? And then for a really new prospect, this isn't necessarily for our builder audience, but this is for someone listening 
um, you know, what what type of output do I expect? You know, we we often throw out terms as builders like this is a SD set, a schematic design. This is a DD set, a design development set or a CD set, construction drawings. You know, what will I be seeing from your firm? What level of detail? Uh, how long will it take for you to get from this kind of conceptual design to something that my builder could give me some more advanced pricing on, including maybe even a cabinet package or a window package uh, before we have the actual construction drawing? So there's there's a bunch of questions that people, builders can ask, homeowners can ask that can be really helpful. In that, and that's out there on the web uh, to be found. Jake, tell me, though. What? I'm sorry, go ahead. What, what do you guys see for, you know, initial phone call to construction documents? Is it, is it a year? Yeah, it's typically a year. Uh, I always try to, to tell people to expect that if you call my office and say, I want to build a custom home and you don't have a designer engaged already, um, that it's probably going to be a year from now until I can break ground in your project. Uh, and that's really not including permit time slash maybe including permit time. It's gotten a lot better for us recently. We're down to under 60 days on permits. Um, but between the architect, the back and forth, the engineering uh, that needs to happen on the project, it usually takes about a year to break ground. What, what are you seeing in uh, in Missouri on that timeline or what are you Yeah, so people? I... I normally tell people it's going to take at least eight months and it very rarely takes over a year for the stuff that we're going through uh, because our permit process is most of the time you walk in and you hand somebody a check. That's awesome. Uh, you know, we, we applied for a permit in a rural county uh, last week in which I paid a fee and they just said, okay, you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's, I could have just mailed this like it would have been OK for me to mail this. I didn't need to fill out this paperwork. So we we experienced a slightly different thing. But that applies to our architects, too. Yeah. Are you licensed? Because that's a big one that people forget to ask as well. Yeah. I, I don't know how many people. It's frustrating when I hear, oh, we hired an architect and I meet them and I go, well, they're not an architect. They're a designer. They're yeah. not licensed. They've that's not right. had a formal education in this. And they have SketchUp, not to disparage SketchUp. Again. No. Uh, but. That's a that's a good one. And are you licensed in my state? That's another great question. That's right. And and uh, for the architects listening, this this plug is for you, my friends. Uh, to call yourself an architect and to have architect on your business card, you actually have to have a degree in architecture. And and I think every state in America, you have to actually sit for a test and get a license as an architect. I believe that's true in all all the states which means that you've had to have some amount of hours underneath another licensed architect, just like an engineer does. And then you have to actually sit for a formal test from the state. And then the state will issue your license as an architect. And where I am in Austin, Texas, I could not s submit a set of plans for review without a licensed architect stamping those plans and saying that these uh, meet the city's standards. Uh, and, I, and here is my license number that I'm submitting those under. And taking some of the responsibility for it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it is a big deal to, to actually get an architecture license uh, anywhere in the U.S. Uh, and we don't take that lightly as builders. Um, Jake, talk to me. I have, another, I have another criteria for you, though, real quick, Matt. Please, yeah. Uh, and, and it's I had a conversation with uh, some potential clients three or four weeks ago. And they said, we really like that architect, but I'm not 
she's her voice is kind of grating and it kind of felt like she was speaking down to us hmm. and and i said okay then the question you need to ask yourself is can i spend the next three years of my life with this person that's right because we tend to get into like oh but her houses are really pretty mm-hmm. is is she going to make you hate the fact that you're building a house or is he going to make you hate the fact that you're building a house? Like, are you going to dread having meetings with this person? If you don't, if you don't get along with them, if you, if you don't, if they bother you in some way, if they have wildly different views from you and they voice them constantly, you have to remember that like you are being very involved with these people and you're going to do it for at least a year. If, if you don't retain them for the build, and probably two if you retain them for the build. 100%. So you need to make sure that, that, that you and that architect and the builder mesh very well together. Uh, and that's hard for us as builders sometimes because we don't have, we don't get input in the architect and we have to deal with larger than life personalities sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're, you're critiquing someone's art when there's an issue. That's right. And so that's a really difficult thing. So my, my, recommendation is find somebody you love working with and work with them all the time. Yeah, that's a great call <laughs> for sure. And and uh, to piggyback on that, I think you have done that a lot from one understanding your building business uh, with our mutual friend Stephen Basic uh, out of Boston, Massachusetts. I believe I'm turning to look at our our go board here. I believe that Steve and I have eight projects going together right wow. now. That's fantastic. If, I, I don't know anybody else, any other architect that I've ever had more than two going with at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to disparage any other architect because there are some fantastic architects, even in my market that we yep. just don't get the same opportunity to work with. Uh, people have a tendency to find us and then find our social media and mm-hmm. he's already there and, you know, or they find us through build show yep. and then they already know who Steve is. So they ask for Steve, but talk about that folks you can get along with my pre-construction services is more cost effective if i'm working with steve number one i know that like we talked about our goals align Mm -hmm. number two our communication is very simple and very easy we speak the exact same language all the time we can argue over details all day and still enjoy it yep and then uh i know that we're gonna we're gonna be friends at the end of it and it's easy and i know that he gives a little discount because he knows that there's not going to be headaches. He knows that he and I can get through the plans to a point where I can take it to the build and I know what's going on enough that I don't have to call him. Yeah, he may not have to detail every connection in the entire house where two materials come together because you've done it together a bunch and he he naturally trusts you to do it correctly. I think that's definitely true uh, with some of the architects we've worked with in the past. uh, Where they trust us to get some of the details right and that um, that gives them a level of uh, ability to do things. And that's, I think that's definitely advice for any builder listening to this remodeler is find that person that you like to work with and refer them to all of your projects. And hopefully the vice versa will happen on that as well, that they will refer you back. Um, but you definitely want to find somebody that, um, that you enjoy working with the, the goofy analogy I use for my prospects all the time is, uh, think of finding an architect like dating, uh, you know, you, you want to go on a few dates, you want to get to know them. Uh, but if you don't like them on a, on a date when they're on their best behavior, you're probably not going to like them after you get married. Uh, so, you know, be selective uh, and, uh, you know, talk to a couple different folks because you're very likely going to find someone that you really don't like or that you really do like. 
Yeah, that's the that's the truth. <laughs> that's definitely the truth. Tell me about a couple things that people builders should look for in a designer or an architect uh, when they're looking at an what I would consider an example set of plans. Like I, I, I always yeah. tell people, hey, as you're interviewing architects, you should get an idea of what their deliverables look like uh, so that you kind of know what, what yours probably will look like. Obviously the style, the shape, whatever is not gonna be the same, but you know, hey, if this if this 15 set of pl- set, 15 page set of plans was delivered to another client it's a, it, and it has some similar scope, I can expect similar. What are some things that you might wanna see on that you know, 10, yes. 12, 15 page set of plans. So the first thing that I always do, I actually learned from Peter Yost. Uh, I go to the roof plan and I think about where water's going. Mm. If the architect is thinking about where water's going, then my job's going to be easy to manage for water. Mm, that's good. If the architect hasn't considered that the, the house might see rain, uh, then I'm going to have a problem trying to keep rain out most likely that's right uh, or bulk water uh and then next i actually uh as much as i pick at architects for well what does it look like in section i want to look at it in section so that i can see how they believe that it's going to be put together uh i saw a set of plans uh that someone had posted online where the walls went all the way to the roof sheathing and then the trusses were inside the walls and the roof sheathing was the only thing that connected them. They're like the, the uh. trusses were hanging from the roof sheathing. <laughs> and I was like, that person clearly doesn't understand how it how it goes together. And it would be a real challenge to have to work with somebody like that yep. because that person's a licensed architect and they're considered a professional in their field. And I, the first thing I have to do is go, I need you to redraw this because that's not the way that we can put it together. The, right. the engineer won't allow it. Yeah. You know, for sure. And that's a, you know, it sucks, but that's that's how it looks. You you have to look at it in section. You have to look at where water's going. Those are my two big ones. And that goes back to your previous advice, which is, you know, if someone's used to doing commercial buildings, schools, churches, multifamily, they're probably not going to know the detailing for a residential build very well. Uh, and those are the projects that don't go very well. So just because your uncle, your brother, your cousin is an architect, doesn't mean that you should hire them for your residential remodel, for your residential new build, because what they do for a living is 100% different uh, if they're building multifamily or high-rise downtown architecture, and then they're going to come and try and design your house. It just doesn't work, and that's not yeah. a great fit. And that that like idea of what does it look like, do you know how it's going to be put together? Uh, the, the thing that made me decide that I wanted to work with Steve Basic, I took some clients to visit a couple of his projects and they got up in the middle of a meeting to take a phone call. They had an emergency. They had to step away for like 20 minutes. And Steve flipped three pages back further in the plan. And there was a two by six sill plate in one to one scale. Mm. And he was talking about how everything connected together and uh sealants choices and how we were going to be sealing to the foundation and i was like this guy i think that this guy (laughs) speaks the same language as me so i love an architect that speaks the same language as me we do have other architects that we work with that that speak the same language but that was like the first aha like light bulb moment where i was just like oh there are one-to-one scale things in this plan so that i he makes sure i understand it for sure let me ask you this. I, I think most people, builders or, or custom home clients, probably their number one 
pick for an architect is someone that has pretty pictures that they resonate with. What are the what are the positives and negatives? What are the pitfalls and the benefits of that in your mind? You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So number one, I have uh, uh, I've had a couple clients over the years that have brought me uh, said, "What do you think about this architect? Let's look at what they've done." And I see the stuff, and I see it's amazing looking. And I the first like bring it back down to earth is just so we're clear, every picture on this website is a ten million dollar house. Your guy's budget is 500 grand. Mm -hmm. So all these great things can happen if Mm -hmm. we have the money for them. That's right. It doesn't mean that it's going to be as easy to happen in your house. That's a great point. Don't just assume that this architect can do that for you because you don't have the budget for that. Yep. So that's a big one when it comes to like, and that's true for any picture you find on like house or something like that. Sure. When you go online and you look and then you bring me back 10 photos, I'm I'm going to say, oh, yeah, we're building you a million dollar house and you still can't afford the stuff that's in those pictures. Mm-hmm. That stuff's gorgeous. And I love it. Bless you. You know, that's uh, I agree. So that's, that's gorgeous. <laughs> that's, <laughs> However, that's you're not one. getting that. But it also can be your style. And mm-hmm. so your style can be modified to fit your budget. That's true. And still have influence from that. That's so right. you, I certainly encourage people to find a builder and an architect that have their sense of taste. Mm-hmm. However, a great architect does not have a sense of taste. Their taste is your taste. Mm-hmm. You tell them what you're into and they'll give you the best example they can of what you're into. That's a great uh, way to say it. You know, I had somebody the other day say, well, you know, our house isn't exactly the style that's on your guy's website. And I said, yeah, I agree completely. But here, let me screen share. We were in a Zoom call. Let me screen share. Here's four houses that look like what you're talking about building that we built. I just put the stuff that I like the most on the website. Yeah, that's, that's it. right. <laughs> Cause I like, I get more motivated to build it. If it's my taste, yeah. you know, why yeah. wouldn't I? It's oh, look at how this thing, look at how these Oak treads are waterfall down the yeah. stairs. Like yeah. rather than look at how this carpet runner goes up from the front door, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> it's, you know, so you want somebody that can do everything. You want somebody that has your sort of taste though yep. at the same time. Yeah. That's a great point. We talked about schedule a little bit, that it's going it's gonna to take longer than you think. We talked about budget a little bit, and, and that's one that I think is is definitely worth talking to your architect about, it, is uh, how much do you get involved in the budget, especially in past projects? Uh, and I think advice for homeowners and for other builders, as you've got outside architects and designers you're working with, is make sure you don't go too far down the path. Go ahead. I got I to gotta cut you off on the budget front, too, because I have a, a good one that I always tell people. I'm a huge proponent of pay by the hour. Pay the retainer, pay by the hour. You keep asking for changes, they're going to charge you more. You figure it out quickly with them, they're going to charge you less. Mm-hmm. I had an architect one time on a commercial project billing percentage. So percentage of the t- total cost mm-hmm. of the building, mm-hmm. that's what their their final payment was going to be. Yep. And they brought a ceiling tile that looked just like another ceiling tile. And the guy that was our ceiling supply place was like, they're they're the same tile, just one of them's a hell of a lot more expensive. They have the same fire rating. They have the same sound attenuation rating. <laughs> they're made from the same material. And one of them was just a designer line. And we put them side by side for the architect. And I said, here's the deal. This one is like $40 a square foot cheaper. And they look the same to me and they have all the same ratings and I can see no discernible difference. And the guy at the supply shop says there is no difference. Like the owner, not just the counter guy. That's always just like, no, I'll buy the cheap one. 
And the architect said, I'm billing on percentage and I'm making these choices. We're using that one. Oof. And I was like, this is now that may be just that one person's the only person that's ever going to think that way. Yeah. You know, I certainly am a cost plus builder. So in theory, the more money you spend, the more money I make. But it felt really bad and really gross for my clients. And I was like, maybe we could just figure out what an hourly rate is to be fair. And mm -hmm. you do the hourly rate thing from now on. Totally. And I've never had anybody complain about the hourly rate because there's a clear demarcation between we didn't like that and we asked for the house to be two foot wider. So therefore, we asked you to do more work. So therefore, we should be paying more money. Yep. That's a great call for sure. Sorry, I cut you off. No, that's a good one. Uh, the only thing I was going to add on that front is, uh, you know, most of the time, I shouldn't say that this has changed these days, but in the past, I would say most of the time we get hired after a client already has an architect. And, and in Austin, Texas, the builder community has done a really good job of telling the architect community, look, don't bring me a fully baked set of plans that you want me to give you a bid on because we're a busy town. Everyone's busy. Even in downtimes, we're too busy to try and three bid this. So what I want you to do, Mr. Architect, Mrs. Architect, is bring me a client at Schematic Design and I'll give them a rough estimate, a rough order of magnitude costing model for them to say, I think it's going to be built between X and Y. Here's everything else you need to know about me as a builder. Let's see if we're a good fit and then pay me for pre-construction. And then when we get to the end of a fully baked model and then we can sign a, or a fully baked uh, construction cost estimate. And then you can hire me as your builder after everything's done. But don't bring me a fully baked set of plans. And then Mr. and Mrs. Client, the benefit to you is that you won't go down the path on a uh, $2 million house when your budget's a million dollars or $500,000. Because uh, if you've got a fully baked set of plans and three builders tell you it's between 1.7 and 2.3, well, you're probably going to spend $2 million to build that, even though you told the designer or architect it was a million. So that's worked incredibly well for us. And it's really changed the town, I would say, having a group of builders saying the same thing day after day to people that are calling their office. Um, what do you see as uh, the benefit of that kind of pre-construction agreement for builders that are listening to this that haven't done that type of uh, arrangement before? Absolutely. Uh, I haven't heard, well, you're too expensive in a long time. First of all, That's because huge. I'm not too expensive. The, the drawings are too expensive. That's right. If it's in the plans, it's in the it's in the budget. And that's I right. didn't decide the plans. That's so right. it's not that I'm too expensive. It's that you're so that's a big one. Like that's that, that pre-con process for us allowed us to uh, have input in assemblies, have input in how much stuff's going to cost. Uh, I mean, we're working through one right now that's probably going to cut by in size by 50% hmm. because of what's happened in the market over the last six months. We know that it's going to be too big and it's going to be too much uh, scope of work and that we're not going to get all the way through the plans. We, we got two weeks without input and it got bigger than what we think we can build for their budget and we're already reined it back in. So they're not going to get to a point where they're going to get a set of plans that then just get thrown away and they have to hire another builder or start over. Yeah, it's it. It eliminates the, well, the builder was too expensive conversation across the board. And that's that's half the battle for winning a job in the first place. That's right. Uh, and then the other half is, especially for the stuff that we're doing, 
it's near passive house, it's net zero, those types of things. You don't just apply that to a set of plans after the plans are done. Mm -hmm. That has to be, it's integrated versus applied. Integrated works, applied does not, or if it does, it's way more difficult to apply something after the fact. Uh, I have a builder in our market that does a really good job air sealing. And I went by to look at one of their jobs and he was like, yeah, the air barriers at the ceiling. And I stand there and I went, have you counted ceiling heights in this house? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I think we have 12 different ceiling elevations. Oh my like, gosh. Good, good, good luck with that air barrier that, that changes elevations changes. 12 times. Jeez. And I was like, this is something that could have been resolved in the plans. You could have moved, you could have went to a, a, a unvented attic and uh -huh. it would have been easier. Yeah, you know, that's right. There's little stuff like that, that, you know, that doesn't happen if the plans have been supervised. Tell me, tell me more on that. Flush that out. I've never heard that before. I really like that. That integrated versus applied uh, building science. You know, when I think of you, Jake, I, I, from everything that I've ever seen, it seems like almost any of your projects could tip over to passive house certification without much effort, meaning that you're building really high performance houses. And and I suspect some clients are coming to you saying, "I want that." But others have no idea that you're doing it. They just know that you're a good builder and they want to build with a good builder. How, how do you get to sure. that integrated versus applied kind of status that you're at now? Well, so one of the things that I always tell potential new clients, uh, we talk about European windows and triple glaze windows in like our first meeting, mm -hmm. like the first Zoom call before we've talked to an architect or anything like that. I say, if you take my house, for example, that actually meets passive house standards for energy usage, which is kind of the biggest, the easiest metric in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, per square foot, it uses the kilowatt hours required by passive or under. Yep. That's That has to be integrated from the beginning. Yep. And one of the parts of this building envelope, which is a huge part of the passive system, is the European windows. Well, European windows, glass is cheap, hardware is expensive. Hmm. So you can make the windows huge, way bigger than most of the American manufacturers traditionally will send you. Some of them are shifting now and you're able to get some bigger stuff. But I have uh, I have one room in my house that has two five foot six tall by 12 foot windows that are across from each other. Mm. Those mm -hmm. are not windows that I can just get from an American manufacturer without having to like mold them on site. Yep. Well, I don't want to get a set of plans and go, okay, well, this 3050 could actually be uh, a six foot four zero and still open and be okay. Mm -hmm. And this one could like, it's just as simple as even just picking the right window package. The European windows give us a bigger, bigger opening. We can get a higher percentage of glazing in the wall and be okay with it. Yeah. And oh, by so the way, it's our, you don't want to wait till the end. Yeah. And it's cost competitive with the high end side of the American market. Yeah. That's so that's interesting. So really you're, you're before you even get off of meeting one, there's some speak about performance. Uh, there's some talk about products in particular, and not just those products, but how those integrate to the design of the house and how that would affect how the house could look and feel. That's really cool. I, I, I need to uh, I need to change my uh, sales process a little bit to to take that tip from you. I like that. It's a challenging thing to drag people along that aren't interested. Mm -hmm. So the easiest way to do it is educate them in the beginning and then they'll be interested. Yeah, I like that. I think that's true though, uh, that people that weren't necessarily interested yesterday in building science or building a good house, as you start talking about these things, 
and how that relates back to them as the end user and ultimately the person who's going to pay for it. I think people do care about it. They just don't know. They didn't know yesterday that they cared about it. And once they're informed about it, then they care about it, uh, which ultimately is a lot of what you and I do on a week to week basis in making our videos and talking about nerdy details that are ultimately important. And a house is made up of a million parts coming together uh, to a final product for a client. And if the clients do care about all those parts and pieces, uh, then they're going to be an educated client who educated clients are willing to pay for what they get. And knowing that, you, you know, we're circling this back around, you get what you pay for both in building and in, uh, in plan sets. So good, man. What, uh, what do we miss? We're coming up on, uh, 45 minutes are here. I knew this was going to be a super easy topic to uh, rift on for. Well, yeah, do we, do we miss it? I mean, there's, we hit a couple of the really good highlights. I feel like. I agree. I think, uh, the, asking for referrals thing is a weird thing in today's age mm -hmm. because you can you can ask anybody to get you three people that will say nice things about them yep however i think with architects uh the thing that i've done a couple times is i've said uh can i have a list of builders that you worked with recently i just wanted to talk about how things went with them oh, that's a great one and you know you call another builder to talk about an architect and they'll be the first one they'll be the first one to go oh that yahoo don't let that yahoo near you know or oh man it was great you ought to see the plans we got yeah or they were you awesome know. to work with they came out when i had this issue on the job we totally solved it together yeah, yeah. that's a great i, I asked for a i asked for a reference on an architect and they gave me a, a builder and i called the builder and he said can i call you back in like 15 minutes and i was like sure and he called me back and he said, the architect was standing on the job site with us when you called. I felt it was inappropriate for me to stop and take that phone call. And I was like, that's that's impressive. Like yeah. the architect literally the next day went to the job site for that builder and hadn't even mentioned to the builder that they'd passed their name out as a reference. Like they were sure that they didn't need to even bother letting them know. That's and wild. The, the builder was like, man, she was just here. She was helping us figure this thing out. That's like, so cool. I would work with her again. That's so. so cool. I love it. That's great, man. Well, Jake, we should probably wrap this up. Guys, if you're not following Jake already on social media or listening to his podcast that he does separately from this, uh, you, you should check him out. A couple places that you can find Jake Bruden. Uh, obviously, buildshownetwork.com. He's shooting videos on his job sites all the time. Uh, and as I, as I said at the very beginning of the podcast, Jake is an incredibly smart second-generation builder. Uh, that really has more wisdom than a 39-year-old builder should have. Uh, and I've learned a ton from him, even though I'm a solid decade older, Jake. Uh, so thank you for all you do to uh, to educate our industry. And, and uh, you know, I've always said a rising tide floats all boats. And, and I've benefited from your rising tide, my friend. You can also follow him on Instagram at Jake, J-A-K-E dot Bruton, B-R-U-T-O-N, Bruton, uh, French name. Uh, and, uh, the unbuild it podcast is his podcast that he does with, uh, Steve basic and, um, uh, Peter Yost. Sorry, Peter, uh, Peter Yost. Uh, and you can find that in all the, the normal podcast locations. If you just type in unbuild it podcast, what am I missing, Jake? What other, uh, prolific. Don't, don't feel bad about missing Peter's name. Peter's old and he doesn't understand the internet. So he's never going to hear this <laughs> or see it. It's this. fine. He won't know that it happened. It's okay. I love Peter. 
<laughs> uh, Peter, uh, I, I'm sorry if you're listening, Peter. <laughs> the only other one is the non-social media, the actual business that I run oh, yeah, every yeah. day. That's right. Sorry, uh, what's I, your own a construction, I own a construction company called Aero Building. Uh, it's A-A-R-O-W, because 40 years ago, that was a phone book thing. And uh, we build custom homes in Columbia, Missouri, and the Kansas City market as well. I love it. AA, for those of you who have never seen a phone book who are too young, there's this thing that used to be published. There was a listing of all the people in town. And Jake's dad wanted not just to be arrow builders, but he wanted to be arrow with two A's so that he'd be the first listing uh, in the business side of the phone book uh, 40 years ago. I think that's a fantastic story. And having met your dad before, that's an even better story because your dad is hilarious. I agree. Uh, but thank you, uh, old man Bruton, for uh, raising a smart young Jake who took your wisdom and has taken it uh, that much to the next step further. Jake, you really are a very wise builder for 39 years old. And if you're anywhere near Columbia and are looking to build a custom home and listen to this, you should call Jake. He's a really, really talented builder uh, building in just in the greater Columbia market. And I, I think that uh, you do that a lot for people. You, you say nice things about people when you mean them. And I don't think enough people say nice things about you to you. Oh. So I would like to say thank you for Build Show Network and YouTube and your building company. I've learned a lot from you over the years, buddy. Thanks, and I'm glad to, I'm happy to call you a friend and I'm happy to call you and complain when I want to complain about an architect. I feel the same way about all those things, all the above, including uh, architects. <laughs> as well uh and uh depending on when you're listening to this uh i think this is being published this fall jake and i are going to the international builder show in las vegas uh we'd love to have you come out i, I suspect jake and i will have several events that you'll be invited to uh and we already plugged huber but for sure jake and i will be at the huber best of social awards event uh that jake's won a bunch of awards in the past uh and i'm hosting again this year it's on wednesday We'll have a bunch of the Build Show Network uh, contributors there. We're, we're up to like 12 contributors now. Uh, and our mission of spreading the gospel of well-built houses that uh, exceed people's expectations, that are healthy and durable and comfortable, uh, we're spreading that uh, one video at a time over on buildshownetwork.com. With that being said, guys, follow us on Instagram or the TikToks. We'll see you next time on the Build Show podcast.